And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his name, and, and on his robe, and on his thigh, he has a name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. And when we go back to Revelation 6, we see the white horse with a crown and a, and a, and a, and a, 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 a bow. You go, that's a pretty shallow representation of what we're later going to see. That's because the Antichrist cannot compare with Christ. But, but, he, but the world is so easily deceived, they will not know that. And if we're not careful, we will be so easily deceived that we, when I say we, I'm... Uh, you know, like I said in Sunday school, uh, I'm not really pre-trib, but I'll accept it if it comes. You know, <laughs> I'll be I'll be happy to be wrong and to go up and, and miss all this. Uh, we hopefully will not see this, but we might, uh, and, and we could be deceived. And what we're going to see is that today there are many antichrists. Uh, we know that because Scripture tells us, uh, and, and we could be deceived. The Antichrist is not the savior of the world, but he wants to look like a savior. He will look like a good guy. He will bring peace. Daniel chapter 9, and and what we find is, like I've said before, if you want to make sense of Revelation, you have to be familiar with the rest of the book. Revelation is the the last chapter of the book, so to speak. Revelation 9, verse 27. Um... And he will make a strong covenant with many for one week. And for half the week he shall put an end to uh, the sacrifice and offering. And on the wings of abomination shall come him who makes desolate uh, the, until the end is dis- decreed. The end decreed is poured out on its, excuse me, on the desolate. Uh, and, and so he's going to make a treaty. He's going to make a seven-year treaty with Israel. And he's going to make this seven-year treaty. And, and this is, by the way, the signing of this treaty is the event that begins the tribulation. The tribulation, even if you are pre-trib, and, you're, and you think that means the tri- tribulation starts with the, with the rapture, it doesn't. It still doesn't start, uh, the, the rapture is, even again, back in the Left Behind series. I, I quote them because uh, Tim LaHaye, the, the, uh, one of the authors of the, of the movies, is a very strong pre-trib guy. So when I, when I refer to Left Behind, I'm saying even pre-trib, even strong pre-trib, recognize that the rapture does not start with the battle of God, or the tribulation doesn't start with the battle of Gog and Magog, but they think it comes first. Uh, the tribulation doesn't start with the rapture. The rapture happens. The tribulation comes later when the Antichrist signs this treaty. He will bring peace. He will make a strong covenant with many for, for, for seven years. And, and, and you know, I've asked the question many times, why would someone sign a seven-year peace treaty? Is that not making a deal to have a war in seven years? And, and that's kind of a mocking way to approach it, but it's not. I mean, the United States just entered into a trade agreement with, with Canada and Mexico. They had, you know, they had a previous agreement called NAFTA. It was about to end, right? And now they've entered into a new one called the USMCA, I think is what it's called. I don't know if you know this. It's a 16-year arrangement. So it is set to last for 16 years and then expire. Why do they do that? Because they know situations change. We are willing to commit ourselves to this for this long, and theoretically, at the end of this, we either won't need it anymore, or we will be able to come up with something better. So there are logical reasons for making a treaty like that with a time frame on it. Uh, It allows for changes that naturally take place. This guy is going to bring peace. He's going to look like a hero. Everybody's going to have high hopes. Uh, So what allows him to step up and do this? 
Because if somebody tries to step, you know, many people have tried to make peace in the U.S., I mean, in, in the, you know, the Mideast, and it hasn't worked. It simply hasn't worked. They haven't been able to do it uh, because these people don't want to have peace. Uh, they want to have, well, they want to wipe out Israel is what they want. Uh, and then they won't have peace because they don't like each other either. But that's a different subject. Uh, well, there's one of two things that's going to happen that will create a tremendous hole of opportunity for someone to do this. One would be the rapture. All of a sudden, all the Christians disappear from the world. It's utter chaos, right? There's a, there, somebody gets to step in and make a peace treaty. But another option that might make more sense is the Battle of Gog and Magog because the Battle of Gog and Magog is this tremendous war, mighty nations coming together, focused on Israel, getting destroyed. Then someone steps up and makes a peace treaty with Israel, right? And, and, and you say, well, that actually makes a lot of sense. Well, the, neither, one is, neither option is mutually exclusive. Neither option has a, a monopoly on possibility, but either way we can see where there, there can be a huge hole, worldwide uneasiness and, and nervousness where someone steps in and, and people are, are saying, boy, if we can have peace in our time, if somebody can negotiate a treaty that's going to make that happen, then life will be much better for all of us. And it's this tremendous opportunity for this guy to step in. The world sees him as a savior. Right? He brought peace to the Mideast. He's the man. He's the savior. He's the one we need. And he comes in riding a white horse and he's wearing a crown. And the world will accept him. Accept, not accept, accept, E X C E P T A C C E P T. They will accept him. There is a spirit of Antichrist. Flip about, I don't know, half a dozen pages backwards in your Bible from Revelation chapter 6. And you come across 1 John. Maybe it's a couple more pages, depending on your Bible and the size of print. 1 John chapter 2, verses 18. I'm going to start reading. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming. Aha! We all know that. They knew this back then. <laughs> right? This is, this is the year 80, you know, 90. We don't know what year this was written exactly. Before 100 AD. And, and they're talking about the Antichrist. Right? So he says, We've, we all, if you've heard the Antichrist is coming, then he adds, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they were not are all not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. Okay? He's just given us a definition. He says this is the Antichrist. He says there are many Antichrists. Who is the Antichrist? Uh, he, he says a liar. Who is the liar? But he who denies Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise he has made us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. Uh, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as this anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it is taught, taught, you abide in him. You see, the world will accept the Antichrist. Uh, because as it was then, it is now. We get excited when we hear about the Antichrist. We wonder if he's here now. I say yes. I mean, I 
say yes, not like I'm going to say he was on the news last night and he was, no, I, you know, I'm not someone to name someone like that. <laughs> Uh, but, but I think that it's, this person's on the, on the earth now. I think he's doing things now. Uh, but there's something more to be aware of, and I think really for, for us much more important to be aware of than that there is an antichrist and who he might be, and that is that there are antichrists. And there are many, and they are prevalent. And they are listened to and believed. Okay? There is something more important than the Antichrist, and that is the Antichrist. And they share these characteristics. He says in verse 19, they went out from us. He says in verse 22, they deny that Jesus is the Father. Verse 26, they try to deceive us. Those are the characteristics of Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist. Uh, this, this is a person, this describes a person who is familiar with the church, or you might simply say religious, or clothed in religion. Someone who is aware of religion and, and not uh, a total atheist kind of person, or at least doesn't claim that to be the most important things. He is at least aware of religious things. Uh, he is a person who um, denies the most fundamental truth of the church, which is that Jesus is God. But that doesn't stop him from teaching his unbelief. And these people are out there in droves. Some of them are overtly religious. I mean, some of them are more religious than you and I because they go by names like Jehovah's Witnesses and they knock on doors. But what are they doing? They are denying that Jesus is the Father. And they are teaching that truth. And they are very religious, right? That is the spirit of Antichrist. The Mormons teach that Jesus is a lesser God and that we can become gods. They are denying that Jesus is the Father. That is the spirit of Antichrist. They are doing that. Some of them are overtly religious like that. Some of them are not overtly religious. All of you who have gone to a community college and taken general classes in the last, I'm not sure how many years, have run across this. Professors, college professors, who, who attack Christianity, not just community colleges. I, I know people have run into that at Eastern uh, and, and various colleges. They're famous for it. They didn't, it's not by accident when they made the movie God's Not Dead. They, 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 they used a college campus because this is an actual prevalent thing that happens with, with regularity that college professors attack Christianity. And as they attack Christianity and the Bible and all these things, they have another line they use in there, and I'm a Christian too. And you shake your head and you go, by what possible definition are you a Christian? The same one that the Antichrist is. You go, wow. They're not Christian. They're anti-Christian. But they're claiming, see, that's just it, is, is it's not true. Who is the liar? But he who denies Jesus uh, uh, came in the flesh. I forget how that's even worded now. Uh, who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father. Right? And we, we just find that these people are not it. They are. The, they, I mean, they are the wrong it. They are the Antichrist, and they are prevalent, and they are many, and they are in our society today in a big, big way, and they are influential, and they make a difference. Right? Uh, so, so we find those. And then there are some who are in the churches who call themselves Christian uh, so that pe we people find, find it able. I was talking to a lady uh, a week and a half ago, I mean very recently, who, who uh, was visiting churches. And she said, the last church I went to, the pastor kissed his boyfriend in church. In church! The pastor! I'm going, ah! I want to wash! You know, I want to go take a shower. Just hearing that, that's just... That's just I, but there's churches doing this. 
There's churches. It's in church. I mean, theoretically, I mean, you guys know me well enough, and if you don't know me, you're getting a good example now. <laughs> I forgot where I was going. <laughs> uh, Bible, uh, churches, pastors, what they teach. Uh, wow. She told me about... Uh, well, okay, well, I'm going to go where I want to go now. If it's where I was going, I don't know, because I, I lost that completely. Um, we have our Bibles open, right? And as we read our Bibles, as I, as I share what I share today, the things I share to you, theoretically, you've got your Bible open too. And if I say something that's just not consistent with Scripture, you're supposed to call me out on that. Right? And, and if you say, he, I hear what he's saying, but I think he's wrong, that's not the same thing as, seeing, uh, as, as me saying, here's what it says, and it's wrong. And that's what these people have to do. It's what they have to do. Uh, oh, I know what I was going to say. I <laughs> came back. You've talked long enough, it'll come back. Is, is theoretically, you trust me up here. Right? Theoretically, you trust me that what I'm speaking to you is the word of God. And as I, I, I extrapolate it and apply it in these different ways, you, you're, you're placing a, a certain amount of trust in me as I do this. Now, I don't take that lightly, and, and nobody ever should when they speak in front of a group like this. But here's the thing is, if somebody is ignorant of God's word and walked in here today, and I'm spouting off all sorts of lies, but they say, well, he is a man of God, so what he's saying must be the truth. Now, I don't know about you, but I used to think that way because I was ignorant of God's word, and I remember sitting under a Bible teacher who was telling us to disregard certain parts of Scripture because they were nice stories, but they probably weren't true. And I thought, I don't like this. I thought the Bible was true, but he's a man of God. He must be right. And so the people walk away deceived because the pastor or the teacher in front of church deceives them by telling lies. And they are, they, so, so we, find, we find Antichrist all over the place when we talk about the spirit of Antichrist. We talk, I mean, we talk about those who are, are simply teaching other religions, false religions, untruths about God. We find them in our, in, in our schools where people aren't in a religious setting at all, but say, well, I'm going to deal with this religious subject, and I know something, and they, they're usually pretty good at what they do. And then, then we have them actually in churches. And the spirit of Antichrist is everywhere. These people are out there in droves. They are prevalent. The spirit of Antichrist is not as simple as a spirit of evil. It would be so much easier if the spirit of Antichrist looked like a horror movie, you know, and dr blood dripping and fangs and, you know, pentagrams and spells. The spirit of Antichrist is, the, is evil masquerading as good. That's what the spirit of Antichrist is. Evil masquerading as good. And the world likes that. The world eats that up. The world wants a, a God who is, does not have moral requirements of them, who does not have righteous expectations of them. And the spirit of Antichrist does that. And our job is to represent Christ in a world that prefers Antichrist. Our job is to preach Christ in a world that prefers Antichrist. And the world will gladly accept Antichrist. The world wants a Savior. It wants a worldly Savior. It doesn't want a righteous Savior. It doesn't want a moral Savior. The world wants, doesn't want someone to save them from sin. The world wants to save them, someone to save them from higher gas prices. 
You know, the world wants someone who will say, we won't have more war. The world wants someone who, say, who, who will say, you can live in comfort. That's the kind of saving that the world wants. And, and that's what he will appear to give them. He will appear to save them from war. He will appear to save them from poverty. You start talking about the one world, one world financial system. What's that all about? Money. Uh, uh, he will appear probably to, to save them from, from disease and things like that. Uh, the Antichrist will claim to do this. And it won't work. It will work for a little while. It won't work for very long. But it will work long enough to, to support his claim for a while. It will appear that he's the good guy he claims to be. But he doesn't care if it lasts. Because that's all it takes for him to get in power. So that we find halfway through the tribulation, at that halfway point, he sits on the throne and claims to be the Messiah. And there's nothing anybody can do about it because he's got the power. Right? Uh, because he doesn't care about them. He will come in with, with bringing peace and looking good, and they will love him until it is too late. And, and he will be what the small antichrists are, only in a bigger way. Right? He will be well-versed in religion. Probably not just Christianity. He'll be really, really good with these things. He will not merely deny Jesus is the Savior, but he will take it to the point where he says, but I am. Right? He will support it with... with uh, Signs and wonders. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses three to four. I'm just. I'm not going to try to read the whole thing. It takes too much. Uh, distracts me too much. <laughs> you know how easy, how easily I get distracted. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two, verses one through three. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and are being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be too quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or spoken word or a letter coming, uh, seeming to come from us, the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Right? He's got to come first. Uh, and and uh, verse 9 uh, adds a little bit. It says, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. Right? He's going to come in and he's going to be able to do things that the world is going to look. And we live in a world that knows how to do an awful lot of things, but the world is going to look at this guy and say, how is he doing this? How can he do these things he's doing? This doesn't make sense even to us. Uh, Matthew chapter 24. That's not the reference I have. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll save that one for later. Uh, he will not deceive just a few people. He'll deceive the whole world, right? Skip ahead to Revelation 13. Well, actually, while we're in 2 Thessalonians, let's stay there for a minute. 9 through 12. Um, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved, therefore God sends on them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So because they refuse to believe the truth, God will send on them a spirit of delusion and they will all, the world will be deceived. Revelation uh, 13, 7 and 8 supports again the same thing. Revelation 13. Verses 7 through 8, 7 and 8. 
Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them, and authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation, and all who dwell on earth will worship it, everyone whose name has not been written in the, from before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. The whole world will worship him, right? He's not going to deceive just a few people. He's going to deceive the whole world, and the world will accept the Antichrist. And we have a responsibility in light of this. I mean, because when we talk about these things, we're talking about a future event, but we're talking about a present reality as well. The future event is this one Antichrist who's going to come up and do these things, but the present event is the spirit of Antichrist that we deal with today. Revelation was written about then, but it's written for now. Blessed is the person who reads this book. Uh, uh, blessed is he who hears. What is it? We, are, we receive blessing as, this, as we read this book, not just to, to go, ooh, ah, what an amazing book, but to we gain understanding. We gain wisdom. We gain insight. We learn these things. Don't be deceived. Our responsibility is to not be deceived. I'm going to read three passages again real quick, and I'm, I'm uh, coming up close to the end here. 1 John chapter 2, verses 20 to 21. You say, well, we were here. Yeah, and we're back. 1 John chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you all, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Why? Because you already know it. You know, as I say these things, I'm not writing to people who don't know the truth, but sometimes we who know the truth need a reminder right? Uh, that, that's what church is about. Very seldom. Sometimes you come to church and you will actually learn new things. I'm not saying it can't happen. But, but the more you've been at church, the less new things you're actually going to learn. doesn't take any of the blessing away. Uh, it doesn't take any of the blessing away because God's word constantly feeds and nourishes us. And it reminds us because we are prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the Lord I love. Uh, you take my heart, <laughs> Lord, and seal it. Seal that sucker, you know. <laughs> Brand it, hobble it, you know. Do something because my heart wants to wander. Second Thessalonians chapter two. Uh, well, what I just read, he talks about he deceives many. Our responsibility is to not be deceived. Matthew twenty-four. This is this is a an interesting passage. Mark Matthew twenty-four is is the great prophecy chapter of of the New Testament until you get to Revelation, anyway. And we're just going to read a small little portion of it, verses 23 and 24. Matthew 24, verses 23 and 24. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. To lead astray, if possible, even the elect. The elect can be deceived. And too often, let me tell you this with, with, with clarity, too often the church takes its lead from the society it is in, from the culture that surrounds it. We follow the world's standard of morality. We follow the world's priorities. We are unwilling to condemn what God condemns, and we tolerate what we should not tolerate because we're following not God, but the world. If we're not careful, we can find ourselves walking hand in hand with the world, calling ourselves Christian, but living their values and wisdom. And when we do that, we do not look like Christ, we look like Antichrist. Because we're saying the words of this life, but we're living this life. 
It's not what we want to do. Where is our protection? You know, back in 1 John. The scripture reading we had today, you might say, you know, that was kind of nice. I don't have any, I have no idea what it has to do with the passage, the sermon. Well, actually, it has a lot because uh, everything we've looked at about the Antichrist in 1 John was in 1 John chapter 2. Scripture reading immediately follows that. That's, wow, that does matter. <laughs> it is relevant. I'll start a little bit ahead of it, though, 20, verse 28 of chapter 2. And now little children abide in him, so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it does not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. That what is the answer to being deceived by Antichrist? is by being close to God. Yeah, I have, I'm one of those people, you know, some people can just tell twins apart. I mean, I'm not saying like Josh and Ben are twins, but, you know, Ben has red hair and Josh is bald, you know. <laughs> not too hard to tell them apart. Uh, but, but those identical twins that... that some, I've, I've always stunk at telling identical twins apart. And there's, there's a lady who teaches out at Christian Heritage. Her name is, is Janelle Larson. And I don't know if this other lady is her twin or just her sister that I've never been able to tell them apart. But, but they, they work at the Iwana Conference. Yesterday was the Iwana Conference, and they were standing down at the end. And I could tell them apart in a heartbeat. Well, what's the difference? I teach alongside Janelle. I see her every time I go out there. You know, by getting to know the one, I have no trouble discerning between the two. That's, I'm going, wow, why didn't I figure this out when I was a child and everybody knew the twins but me? <laughs> I just looked at them and I lumped them. They're the twins. <laughs> and I couldn't tell them apart. And everybody else could tell them. Why? Because I didn't get to know, you know, I was never close friends with one twin in my life. I've known various ones, Willie and Wally Ware, <laughs> Steve and Stan Cook, <laughs> Judy and Jody Smith. I mean, it's like, come on, give me a break. <laughs> and I could never tell them apart. Everybody could tell them apart but me. But you know what I learned? If you get to know the one... You have no trouble discerning it from the other. The closer you are to God, the more chance you will not be deceived by the Antichrist. But the more you keep God and he's out there and I kind of know him and someone comes along and acts religious and seems to resemble him, the more easily you will be deceived. You want to protect yourself against the Antichrist? Draw close to Christ. Draw close to Christ. Let's close it with a word of prayer. Father, I, I thank you for your word and I thank you for the warning here. Lord, this spirit of Antichrist is very real and very powerful in our world today. Lord, help us to draw many from it. Help us to be wise enough to recognize for ourselves, to be protected because we know you. We will never be deceived. Let us walk with you that way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.